All right, this is an argument in our home. Uh, stand up if you like white lights more than colored lights at Christmas. All right, stand up if you like white lights. Look at that. All right, I guess I lose, Wendy Lee. All right, uh, okay, stand up, keep standing. Stand up if you like ham more than turkey at Christmas. Sit down if you like turkey. Okay, now some of you are confused because I didn't say gumbo. So if you like gumbo more than all that, just stand up. All right, that's good. Look at that. All right, uh, here's another one. You like Christmas bags, the best invention ever. It's Christmas gift bags, stand up. Gift wrapping, stand down. Sit down. All right, look at that. Man, all right. There's my brothers in arms, right? Mostly men. Look at that, it's mostly men. All right. <laughs> All right, uh, this is really for the kiddos. If you like Frosty more than Rudolph, stand up. If you like Rudolph, sit down. All right, oh, look, that, some of the guys are standing up there too. All right, perfect. All right, y'all can be seated, good. I just wanted to check and make sure y'all were ready. Um, I got a little Christmas trivia that it comes with a gift. Uh, my wife and I, uh, at our last trip to Israel, picked this up on the street of Jerusalem, actually Bethlehem. It is a olive wood nativity, all right, for the first hand that can raise up and tell me the most popular single Christmas song, selling Christmas song of all time. The best selling, I saw it right there, all right, stand up. Yeah, Mr. Allen and your wife, y'all stand up, all right. <laughs> Lori, Lori, I saw your hand first, I'm gonna let you go. What do you think it is? White Christmas by Bing Crosby, come up here, good job, good job. Here in Southeast Texas, that means you put on sunscreen. That's what that means. White Christmas. No, you don't have to give it back to me. That's yours. That's yours. Symbols of Christmas. We're going to talk about that tonight. Um, I, I have some symbols of Christmas. We call those nativity. I showed you my nativity. I got the whole thing up here. Each of these is a Christian symbol from the Christmas story, from shepherds to kings to the baby to the... Mother and father, Mary and Joseph. Um, I, I actually had a memory that struck in my mind earlier today. Um, I purchased this in Bethlehem. It's made of ivory, uh, sorry, ivory, uh, <laughs> olive wood. It's made of olive wood and it is hand carved. And I was wanting to take it with us. It's cost quite a bit of money. I'm, I told the guy at the shop that I wanted to take it with us. And he said, no, you, you better not. You're going to break it. And I said, no, I'll be careful. He said, well, they're going to give you trouble at the Tel Aviv airport. And I said, what do you mean they're going to give me trouble? It's just a nativity. They said, well, they're going to x-ray it. They're going to search through it. That really they think that people hide explosives in the nativity set. And I'm like, really? You know, I thought of that this morning and I thought the Christmas story and its symbols really are quite explosive. The truth behind them, if you'll spend time tonight with me and tomorrow morning with me, we're going to look at two symbols tonight and five tomorrow morning. These are explosive truths. You know, the question for me is, why symbols? Why does God use symbols so much in Scripture? Why does God give us symbols? Because God loves symbols. Jesus and who he is, God infinite and a finite person became a symbol in and of himself. He says in a symbol, take bread and break it. In the Lord's Supper, representing the broken body of Jesus, he says take juice or wine and drink it as a remembrance of the poured out blood of Jesus. He tells people who 
come to faith in him and make a profession of faith to be baptized in water as a symbol of washing. That the good news of Jesus is there is a way, something uh, only God can give as a gift for Christmas. There is a way to have forgiveness of your sins. Isn't that great? And there's a symbol there in water. Right now, Christmas symbols are things like snow and sleigh bells and Santa Claus and tinsel and Christmas trees and mistletoe and presents and turkeys and cranberries. And recently, I've added to my list shopping and vacations and special movies. Raise your hand if you are going to watch or have watched already the Christmas story, the movie, all right? Now, be honest, you're going to also watch Christmas Vacation. Show me that hand as well. All right, yeah, there you go. All right, Christmas movies. But those, those aren't unique Christian symbols. Unique Christian symbols are shepherds and mangers and kings and stars and angels and musicals and giving to the needy and special times of worship and candlelight services. Those are the symbols that mean something, right? So as we look at these symbols, we're just going to look at two. First comes from, actually both are in Matthew 2 on the screen or the first two verses. It says, now after Jesus was born, Matthew 2 verse 1 In Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi came from the east, arriving in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw, what does it say? His star. You ever notice that? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Skipping down to verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem, Herod, and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. Jesus from his birth had a death sentence. This isn't the death sentence timing. So he escapes out of there to get to Egypt. But this false worshiper, he says, I want to worship him. He's a liar. After hearing the king, they went their way. And the star which they had seen into the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That's proper. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down at the ground and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So what is a star? Let's start there. What is the meaning of this star, his star? Well, it gives direction. It guided them. It is a sign. It told them of a king. Third, it pointed to a future. The babe would be a king. Of course, it wasn't their kind of king. And many of us, we struggle with the kind of king that Jesus is in his first coming. But he is the king of kings. It gives forth encouragement. This star is an encouragement. They rejoiced when they saw it. Now, in Scripture... If you study stars throughout the Old and the New Testament, we have to begin with God created the stars. Genesis chapter 1, verse 16. And God made two lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, and he made all the stars also. The naked eye can see about 4,000 stars on a clear night. The Hubble telescope can see 400 million stars, and God made them all. Secondly, in the Bible, from the end... From the beginning to the end, the book of Revelation, John sees Christ holding stars in his right hand, seven of them. And the stars in Scripture are, in this case, ministers, pastors, ministers of God are called stars. Listen to this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, the seven stars are the seven pastors of the seven churches. 
And then third, as we look through the Bible and you have a Bible study on the stars, stars and wisdom are always connected. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness are stars forever and ever. So what do we learn from the light of stars here tonight? Number one, notice Matthew 2, verse 2, said his star. He's not calling it a big star, a bright star, an outstanding star, or even the eastern star. They called it his star. And when you study stars, there's two types of stars. In ancient literature, even up into pre-modern, right up until this time, a star could be considered something that radiated light from itself, like our sun, or something that reflected light from it, like a moon. They called the moon a star. They called the planets a star. When people talk about the eastern star, some scientists think it was Jupiter or Pluto, not an actual sun star. But regardless, Christians are the latter kind. We reflect light. We are not the light of the world. But the Bible says, Matthew in particular, in one place says Jesus is the light of the world. In another place, he says we are the light of the world. Our light, though, is only connected to his light. So let me break down verse 2 again for you. All right. The star says, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star. A star can be seen. They saw it. We can reflect the light of Jesus Christ tonight, tomorrow, all throughout the year. People see you and they see Jesus. That's his goal. That's his desire. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. It then says, we saw his star in the east. A star can give direction. We can direct people to Christ. Mom and dad, that is on your shoulders tonight. If you do not bring up Jesus in your Christmas celebrations, you are missing the reason of the season. The reason is for you to give witness to what Jesus has done and to celebrate that he came into the world to die for the sins of the world. And then look at the last part of this verse. It says, in the east and have come to worship him. The star came to a place where Jesus was located and they didn't just sit and watch, they worshiped. On Sunday mornings, tomorrow, we gave you a little break tonight letting you sit down, but most Sundays, if you worship with us, we believe worship is a participation sport, not a spectator sport. And so we stand, all right? Many of us do. It's not a requirement, but we often stand and we lean. If you watch me, I'm leaning in to worship because it's who I am and it's what we are and the star represents that. All right, so what do we learn from the star? The star is guiding us to Jesus. And how does God feel about that? I've thought about that a lot this week. In the book of Hosea, you hear a lot about uh, the feelings of God. That's one of the things that comes out at us as we studied over the last three months, the book of Hosea. And so my question is, how does God feel about this star? Why did he provide it? Why is it there? Here's how God feels about it. He says, the time is perfect. Tonight is a perfect night for you to be guided to Jesus as your Savior. In the first star, in this time, the timing was perfect. The roads, it was a brutal piece, but the Roman uh, soldiers, the Roman army, the Roman conquest of the land had provided a way for the gospel to spread like wildfire. It was perfect time. It had been 400 years of silence. And when John the Baptist speaks from the wilderness, people were, were beginning to be, they were ready to hear and beginning to really want this king that would come. All right, so let's talk about kings next. The king is also a symbol. Listen to this. Read this out loud with me. Go to the slide with the verse on it. 
Read this out loud with me. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about, Luke 2. So going from Matthew 2 to Luke 2, the kings were also assembled. Now we don't know if they were three wise men, right? It doesn't say three. Um, I actually and many scholars believe that there were many more than three. And the reason for that is Jerusalem had a, had a buzz about the city, about these visiting, these visiting uh, wise men, these visiting leaders. Now, we often say that they were kings because of their gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh are expensive. And you don't uh, ascribe or a wise man or a teacher doesn't have the money to bring those kind of gifts. And also, it was the custom of that day for kings to visit the birth of other kings, And so most people believe that they were kings. I believe that they were rulers, leaders, kings, and there were many more than three. Okay? So the question then becomes, what do they symbolize? What's the, what is the symbol there? Well, number one, wise men were followers of the star. They didn't just gaze at the Bethlehem star, nor did they just take extensive notes about the star. They followed the star. And today, wise men still follow the star of Jesus. It is wise The ambition is right. Wise men, on top of that, they followers, but they were diligent in their search for Christ. They asked, Matthew 2, verse 2, I read it earlier, where is he that is born the king of the Jews? It's an excellent question for every person in the universe to ask. Today, wise men still search for Jesus. What's the purpose of the wise man here in this story? Wise men, kings, still seek him. So the question for you is, what's your ambition this Christmas? What are you looking forward to? I hope you look forward to tonight. I hope you look forward to coming next week or tomorrow and the week after that and the week after that to be a part of us. But this isn't just a Sunday thing. This is an all week thing. This is an all year thing. Wise men still seek him. How does God feel about these kings? I think he feels about the star that the timing is perfect. And I think he feels about the kings That whether you're poor or wealthy, whether you are educated or not, it is wise to seek him. It is a good, perfect ambition. And so as we conclude, I want to give you a couple of thoughts here. Um, We're going to light that middle candle and we're going to spread it out throughout the uh, night here tonight. But don't let this be the only time you pray, the only time you worship. Worship later tonight. Worship tomorrow. Let that be. That's what the wise men Teach me that worship is appropriate, right? And the ambition is perfect. Do not let anything steal Jesus from your celebration. Did you know that there's an actual syndrome called the stolen baby Jesus syndrome? Uh, Cities statistically that have a number of baby Jesus stolen from nativities have not just one or two, they'll have 15 or 20 stolen baby Jesuses. Uh, take a few years back, Wellington, Florida. Wellington, Florida, the city had spent a lot of money. They spent around $1,800 for their baby Jesus in their city nativity. And it got stolen once and it got stolen twice. So they spent it twice. The third time they put a GPS tracker on the $1,800 baby and it led them right to the person's house. Now it doesn't have to be expensive. In 2008 in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, the thieves not only stole a little plastic cheap baby Jesus, but they also stole the concrete block and the chain meant to keep them from doing that. They stole it all. Again, it's called stolen baby Jesus syndrome. And it gets a lot of, a lot of uh, press 
Uh, Some take babies as jokes. Others do so because they want to protest Christmas. When found, the babies are often uh, defaced with profanity or satanic symbols. All right? But a thief doesn't always have to have bad, bad intentions. About six years ago, Chicago police say an art student at the School of Art Institute of Chicago was arrested for stealing a figure of baby Jesus from the nativity scene at Daly Plaza. Two witnesses saw this person stealing the three-foot-tall baby Jesus, and they caught him, and and when interviewed by the press, he said, I just saw it, and I wanted it, (laughs) so I took it. No harm intended, just wanted that baby Jesus, all right? So don't let anything steal baby Jesus from your celebration tonight, all right? And and there is an appropriate way to celebrate, and you're here, and this is singing and being a part of it. There's... you can't really go overboard on this, right? Christmas is special that way. Now, I, I will warn you, about seven years ago, six years ago, Whitney was playing Mary in a children's musical. Rebecca was on the other side playing Joseph, and Whitney actually licked baby Jesus, all right? Now, that's not appropriate, all right? Don't lick baby Jesus, all right? All right. But it is a great symbol. All this, the star, the shepherds, they all point to Jesus, and that's what we live for. So let's turn out the lights. We're going to light the middle candle, all right? And I need Twitty. Can you come forward? All right, yes, you're going to get to be my candle lighter here. We're going to start singing after all the candles are lit. I'll light the middle candle representing Christmas Eve on the night before Christ was born. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I know as we hold these candles, we're holding out a light of a truth that this world desperately needs. The timing is perfect. The ambition is perfect. The star and the kings, they point to that. We don't need to delay or put it off if we've never made that choice to receive Christ as our personal Savior. For those that are here that have never embraced him as Savior, I pray that from that song to even this prayer that they would receive him. They'd say something like this, dear Lord, I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I believe Jesus, you died on the sins from my cross and rose again on the third day and I repent of my sins. By faith, I receive the Lord Jesus as my savior. You promised to save me and I believe you because you are a God. You are God and you cannot lie. I believe right now that you are the Lord of my life, my personal savior and that my sins are forgiven. And that's what this light, that's what this celebration is all about. I thank you, dear Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can blow out your candle. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Have a great night.